Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by friends of the show Bernie and Berto to chat about S. Craig Zoller's western horror film Bone Tomahawk, which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us, man. No problem. It's uh, great to get both of you on get into more of these kind of three-person conversations, get more uh, varying opinions in the room yeah. for uh, each episode. That's always good to do. Huh? Get some uh, budding opinions because as I found, not all of the, <laughs> my guests are uh, as big a horror fans mm-hmm. as me. So it's great to kind of have differing opinions and people that come from like different backgrounds in terms of like what genres they typically gravitate towards. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys thought about Bone Tomahawk today. But uh, before we get too much into the movie itself, I wanted to know your guys' opinion on just the title alone, because with a lot of Zoller's films, his titles are very just kind of evocative and they kind of just jump out at Mm. you in terms of they're very kind of just like eye-catching titles. His other two films are um, Brawl in Cell Block 99 and uh, Dragged Across Concrete and I feel like every single movie he makes, he just has one of these titles that even if you're not necessarily like a genre fan, like you're not into Westerns or horror, if I saw this movie in an aisle at a video store, if they even still have those, <laughs> um, if I saw Bone Tomahawk, I would like have to pick up that case and just like see what the hell this is about. Yeah. Yeah. The name is definitely interesting. I was like, huh. I mean, I saw that on the cover, it had like Kirk Russell and stuff. And I was like, oh, that looks mm. interesting. I'm not into Western movies. So I was kind of like iffy going into it, but, uh. Actually, I thought it was better than I expected. A lot better than I expected, actually. I enjoyed uh, I'm it. right there with Berto. Um, like, I, the first kind of, uh, I guess, introduction for this movie that I had was the trailer. And in it, like, the first picture you see is Kurt Russell getting choked out. So, uh, oh, yeah. instantly, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is <laughs> it's going to go into an interesting <laughs> round. Not necessarily something that I was expecting. <laughs> but, um, I mean, to your point, the the beginning of the film, it jumps right into, I think, the idea of what we would have this movie being. Whereas, like, it's a bunch of people in the wild, wild west kind of fighting each other. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting uh, Detective Dewey from Scream to kind of be one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that quick David yeah, I mean, Don't get me wrong, I loved it, but when I saw that I was like, oh guys, these these guys are going to mess something up really bad to start. <laughs> they definitely yeah. didn't fail to deliver on that front. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Bone Tomahawk is about the dying days of the old west. It's very much set in the early 1900s when that frontier life, we kind of are leaving behind the old ways with different types of societal and economic revolutions that are happening. And it kind of just takes place in this small old school frontier town that you get the sense doesn't have a lot of people living there anymore because they're either moving out west farther or they've resided in one of the major cities. And so the focus is really on like the elderly sheriff Hunt, who's played by Kurt Russell, um, and his posse of people set out to rescue the town doctor who is uh, captured by troglodytes, which are cannibalistic natives. And so I think like what Bernie said, the movie starts off super aggressively right from the jump. Yeah. I mean, it literally begins <laughs> with a guy getting his throat slit. Yeah. And I think that that going off of just the title alone and that opening scene, I mean, aggressive is a pretty good way mm-hmm. to summarize this movie from start to finish. Yeah, very aggressive. I, I personally <laughs> enjoyed the uh, the fact that they really did a great job at executing all the kills. Like it really made you like squeamish. I'm like, Jesus, like they're very brutal. Just like I would think the Western times would be like the wild, wild West. Like no one gives a shit and it'll just slice your throat real quick. And there's bleed, bleed everywhere. And there was blood everywhere. And it was just like very gruesome, which I'm glad they had that. Cause I feel like I really enjoy the horror part of it where it's like all these kills. Cause I kind of, I thought the story itself was a bit slow and very basic. So for me, mm-hmm. the, the killing part was really well executed. I mean, to your point, I think you, you understand the trajectory of where this is going um, after like the initial story plays out when, what is it called? The troglodytes? Troglodytes. When they, they when they go into the city and and kidnap those folks, um, you have an idea in your mind that this is kind of like that hero old Western movie. But to Berto's point, I mean, I feel like in some movies when there are kills, they're just like, they're expected where obviously it's expected in this movie, but the way that it's done, it's a little bit more personable, I think. 
So you feel that emotion or you, you can hear like them dying in that sense when those shots go off versus a lot of horror movies. I think mm. people just die just to filler in that sense. Um, so it's not as kind of powerful as it is in this movie. Well, I mean, it's super jarring for me because like you guys said, I'm not the biggest Western fan. And this is, I, I feel comfortable saying this is like the most brutal Western movie ever. I've, I've seen for sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I think about Westerns, I think about those uh, old Clint Eastwood movies <laughs> yeah. where somebody gets shot and they grab their stomach and they make like a loud ass noise <laughs> and then they just fall to the ground. Where in this, like we're seeing people get hacked to pieces. Yeah. We're seeing people just like arterial spray everywhere. People getting shot in the chest and and not just getting shot, but like having their chests explode and all of these super graphic moments that it really like captures the grittiness of the West. And I don't think a lot of shows have captured just like the lawlessness yeah. in the sense that that entire town could get taken out and people in the next town over might not know for a week right. or something like that. There's kind of just like this feeling that it really capitalizes on the wild part of the Wild West, I think. Yeah, and I think they did a great job at doing that. Um, they Even at the intro, my one of my favorite scenes is the intro where um, Buddy gets shot with an arrow and then you just hear in the background this, the footsteps of the natives and that that was like holy shit that's kind of creepy and they, and they did a great job at executing in those in that sense of horror like what the hell is that like you know i don't know mm -hmm. i i really like that a lot about about the movie that's like it's not just a western movie but it also has a lot of horror to it and a lot of what i feel like the thing about that makes this movie so scary is that it's in the wild west and i feel like this is things that people actually might have dealt dealt with in those times which is they're not monsters. They're actually humans that actually do this. And I felt like to me, it was like almost realistic in the sense that like this actually happened to me. I don't know. I, I, to, I would think it's, yeah, it's a possible thing. Unlike other movies where there's like monsters and creatures deformed, this is more of like human beings actually doing this. And to me, that's what makes it scarier. This is a little more plausible than uh, cowboys and yeah, aliens. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say, like I think to, to Berto's point um, in a lot of, in the olden times and even now we kind of create you know our enemies in that sense they're they're the other they're not people um so to this case i mean uh there was a scene where the you know the townspeople are in the bar and they're trying to figure out what to do next and there's a native american um i, I wouldn't know what you like not a guy i think he's like a consultant yeah i mean some, he, he has some sort of uh, knowledge uh, intimate knowledge on the native american tribes there and he even says like these aren't native americans they're the others um so to me i mean honestly like the first idea that i got and i think this might be a little bit of a weird one but they're kind of like the hills have eyes of like the native american yeah. 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 I have that. Yeah. I have that written down in my notes. I have, I have true grit meets uh, the hills have eyes. I mean, and they're like doing those <laughs> screeches. I wasn't yeah. sure what the mm -hmm. hell. I wasn't sure if that's like an old school Shafar or something like that. Like what, what is going on with that? <laughs> um, but when you see that they have, it was like an accordion in their throat. Like yeah. oh, it's a piece, piece of bone. Of bone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like a piece of animal bone that they, basically have implanted into their throats so they can communicate which is a wild idea by the way that's yeah, a, that's, that's a pretty I mean, dope idea to not gonna lie to make like to make a different like noise other than human like you're like when you hear if you were at night in the middle of like nowhere and you hear that noise you're like what the hell is this i think that's that's a pretty cool uh concept to add to the movie yeah absolutely and i mean like berto you said in the beginning the story itself is very simplistic and it's very much it's very reminiscent of a classic western mm -hmm. in that regards and i think the reason that the horror elements work so well is that it's a blending of two genres and it kind of it gives more life to a script to not a script but rather a premise that is just very vanilla but in being the kind of like vanilla framework of the film there's a lot of points in the film that they can kind of insert this creativity and insert this wild premise that is somewhat plausible. Like you said, it's a human antagonist versus a ghost or like a, a, mo a literal monster. Yeah. Um, and so kind of capitalizing on like what Bernie said in that, that they have these bones in their throats that make them communicate in these super creepy ways that like we see later um, in the film when the posse is kind of traveling through the plains they start hearing that and one of them thinks like it's a wolf earlier. Or they're like, I'm pretty sure I heard that a couple days ago. And you realize that troglodytes are, they're not mindless savages. That kind of stereotype 
they're very much like organized and that actually makes them more terrifying for me. At right. Least. Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely one of those scary things. It's like you think about it, like if they were, they were going into their territory, but they're very well aware of what's in their territory. So that kind of gives it mm-hmm. more sense of organized and like creepy in there. And the fact that they're willing, they don't care. They have no emotion towards any human being that they're willing to do whatever it takes for them to have food and to survive. It, it's just a scary thing. Well, to, to your guys' point too about um, them being really smart, there's a point right when they're leaving um, where the sheriff and um, is it o- O'Dwyer, right? The main character, Mrs. Mr. O- Mrs. O'Dwyer, right? Yeah. So he, yeah. he mentions to Mr. O'Dwyer, he's like, you need to be on your A game because even though they're at, they might outnumber us and they know, they know the territory, we're smarter than they are. So right off the bat, that like superiority complex, although um, to an extent it's valid because they have better weapons in theory than they do, uh, quickly find out that that's mm. not the case when they get into their territory and they have one guy who's basically, you know, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, he's like an invalid. And then you have another guy who's, you know, yeah. 78 years old, which also shout out Richard <laughs> Jenkins. I had, I I love that yeah. character. And then I realized that that was the guy from yeah. Step Brothers, the dad. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if that's what Richard Jenkins wants to be known for first and first and no, foremost. No. That's the only thing I know him from. <laughs> Let's just get into the cast right now. I mean, what did you guys think overall of the four characters and, that the posse is consisted of the Sheriff Hunt, played by Kurt Russell, Arthur O'Dwyer, played by Patrick Wilson, Bruder, who is the the kind of like fancy war veteran who's played by Matthew Fox, and then Richard Jenkins, who plays the uh, deputy sheriff named uh, Chicory. What did you guys think of them overall? I think Broder is my favorite guy. Matthew Fox, I think, yeah. did a great job at like really showing the the manliness of a, of a character that I would think of in Western times. Like I feel like you have to be very mm-hmm. macho and very very strong man to like deal with the fact that he's killed so many people. Like he has a mm-hmm. sense of like, he's just a badass dude. And then, but at the same time, he's like, he doesn't, there's, there's no emo. He doesn't try to connect with anybody because he knows that any time they could die. So there's like, there's like mm-hmm. kind of like a distance between him and all the, the three other guys. I don't know. I just think he's, he's a pretty badass dude. And just the way, he go, the way he goes out too, is pretty badass. This was also the last movie Matthew Fox made oh, really? just, just because I don't know yeah. why he hasn't made a movie since 2015, which I thought was strange considering he was in lost. You would think he would end up being in like everything, yeah. but I digress. Yeah. Uh, what do, how about you, Bernie? What did you think of the, what I did mean, you think of the ensemble? I just, I love Kurt Russell in this. He's my favorite character. Like Richard mm-hmm. Jenkins and Chicory. He's, he's phenomenal. And I just love the humor that he brings. And mm-hmm. he kind of, he seems to always yeah. find like a, a funny way to, lessen kind of the craziness of a situation um but kurt russell uh sheriff francis there he's just he has a way of like keeping everyone on task while also being very um i guess you could say he's like down to earth and realistic in what is about to happen he i think already has an idea that uh was it nick uh that was the other gentleman that was yeah Yeah, he was like they're almost assuredly dead but we're gonna go there because we have to i I think that's another one of his phrases when he leaves um originally the bar he's like me and mr o'dwyer have to do this if anyone else wants to come along it's on you um but i i i feel like my favorite part at least the thing that solidified this for me he shits all over the mayor and the mayor's (laughs) yeah Yeah. so much like him uh i mean He's just a lovable character in that sense. And again, to Berto's point about how some of these guys go out, like uh, John Bruder, phenomenal, I feel like, exit for him. But, you know, when you're ending the movie there and then you hear those final three shots and Chicory kind of smiles and he goes, yeah, you got him. Like, I feel like that's such a satisfying end to the movie and an end to that character especially. So that's that's probably why I think yeah, the sheriff is my favorite guy. Yeah, I mean, they have such a good variety of characters. None of them kind of, I mean, it's such a small core cast that they all bring something different to it. Like you said, you've got Sheriff Hunt, who is very much weathered, but kind of like unwavering and being dedicated to this. Essentially, he assumes it's a suicide mission, but it's still something he's honor bound to have to do. Um, and then you have like Patrick Wilson, who plays Mr. O'Dwyer, who is hot headed and basically is like dedicated to getting his wife no matter what, even though like Bernie said, he's essentially an invalid yeah. in that 
he's got that fucking jacked up leg and he just makes it. He's like, you got to stay off your leg. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to go hike 50 miles a day or some shit like that. Yeah. And then you have Bruder who is very much this guy that's kind of accepted that he's basically like this monster where he says he's killed like 115 natives and he's killed men, women, and children. And his justification is like one bad event happened to him. And he's like, I'm just going to become a serial killer basically. (laughs) But at the same time, like he's the most experienced person. And even though there's so much conflict between him and all the other ones, because he's basically the only person willing to do to like make the hard decisions. Mm. Like when they get uh, jumped one night at camp and they have the I think they say that they're the two uh, Mexicans show up Mm. to camp and he's like, come on, come closer. We'll talk. And then he just guns them down. And he gets into a standoff with Kurt Russell and Kurt Russell's like, you had no right to do that. Bruder has a point to a certain extent, like even though he doesn't know for sure that they're raiders or bandits, like he still has experienced enough and he kind of carries himself as being an authority on the frontier. And like, we have to move camp now or we're going to get killed. And then 20 minutes later, they get jumped and uh, Arthur does the one good deed in the movie (laughs) and like saves his life. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I don't know. I feel like author, author to me, it was just like kind of useless up until the end and that one scene where you mm-hmm. saved them. But overall, yeah, like you said, Broder, I feel like he's a, he's like the, the guy that knows the West better than all of them. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. even the sheriff is so closed in on just being in the village, in the town. That yeah. He Broder is the only one that knows the real, like how to survive outside of the towns in the city, in the middle of the desert. So I don't know. That, I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed his character. So I much. will just say though, you yeah. kind of buried the lead a little bit on Bruder. He he like alluded that to saying that his mom and his sisters were like kidnapped by the the by a tribe or something like that. You would probably also not be too big of a fan of those. Did I did I not say that? Oh, I, f- I forgot to. Yeah, they no, got. No, no, I no. mean, that's why. That's why he goes on a, to him killing yeah. like all those people. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think specifically just because he was like a, an asshole of that. So, to, granted, he is an asshole for killing 116 people. But, uh, <laughs> I I can't say that I sympathize with him fully, but like I I understand it to an extent. But kind of moving moving off of that, you know, my thinking on this was you know, and we touched base a little bit on it in terms of some of the deaths. What was like the most memorable death for you guys? I, I would say Broder. Yeah. I think he went out pretty badass. I mean, other, other than the sheriff, I think he's probably the, well, yeah, there's only, only two of them really die. So again, just that opening moment is so pivotal in establishing the tone of the entire movie because it only gets more aggressive from there. Like you have the two bandits, David Arquette and um, Sid Haig, who are basically just like killing these people. They're basically like the bandits that attack the the posse mm-hmm. later in the movie. They're just like stumbling along people and exploiting them and then killing them. Yeah. Um, and then like he gets an arrow in the throat and it just shows you had an assumption about what this movie would be. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of like flipped that on its head. And it's like, no, the, the violence is getting cranked yeah. to a level that you've never seen in a Western movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, again, like the violence doesn't, feel that it's being forced it actually feels very pivotal to the tone of the movie and just kind of further distancing itself from other westerns because to go off on a side tangent did you think that they did a good enough job of blending the kind of frontier adventure with the kind of hor- the strong horror elements and kills yeah. because Berta, you had said you thought that some of the story was a little slow. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious what your guys feel overall in terms of the narrative were. No, I, I think for me, the, I really like the fact that they, I think they did a great job at blending those two. Like you get kind of this adventure going through like the desert, but at the same time, every kill that we see is like very gruesome, very horror like. So I, I really enjoy that. And I think that the fact that the kills were so gruesome to me, it kind of helped to, it, it kind of like put in my head. That's like, that's how people would die. Like people think, like we see movies where people get shot and it's like very minimal bleeding but I think I mm-hmm. feel like when someone gets shot, there's a lot of blood coming out of you. And I think they did a great job at executing in that part where it's like someone gets his throat sliced off. There's a huge artery in your throat. You're going to bleed out. So there's blood everywhere. And yeah. like, I think that's that's one of my favorite things about this movie that they make it seem so realistic in that sense. So it's like someone does get cut. There's blood everywhere. Um, I don't know. I just think that they did a great job at that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Bernie, for me to actually answer your question now, um, <laughs> that scene in the, uh, the when the stable hand gets killed, that's such a creepy horror moment that feels so foreign to a Western movie. This idea that like he hears some, it's kind of the setup of a traditional horror scare where it's like, I'm going to go investigate these strange noises. Mm. But then again, you're not expecting it to play out like a horror movie because it feels and you're in the boots of a Western movie. Yeah. But then to have kind of these figures running in the distance and then somebody comes up and slits his throat. Yeah. And then we see the, the uh, result of that when Kurt Russell goes to investigate. And again, that's a great moment because Chicory, of course, has to bring some comedy. Yeah. He's like, he's so hyped to have something to do. He gets a gun for a change and he's still in his long johns. Like he just jumped out of bed and he's in those 1900s uh, long underwear. Yeah, I think, his, I think his humor helped balance everything so well too. Like he has like mm -hmm. small little comments. I think one of the conversations he has with Broder um, where he's like, mm -hmm. I think Broder's like dissing him. He's like, oh, you're, you're a widower. He's like, oh, you're right. Like his little like sense of humor. It's like, I think it helps to balance out the whole movie with between the horror and I guess they're trying to get serious because they're trying to rescue. I think it's a good balance overall. So this was only the first, the uh, second, excuse me, the second time that I'd seen this movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember initially the first time I watched it, being absolutely floored by the script. Mm. I just thought like, it's such a quick witted, like dark humor laced. There's a lot of kind of just like throwing jabs at everybody. And it's, everybody's either a second away from laughing, a second away from killing somebody or a second away from just like breaking <laughs> yeah. somebody's jaw with their fist. And I just kind of wanted to hear your guys take on um, the dialogue between the characters. Cause I have a couple of things that I, I mean, wanted to, to touch upon. For my point, I think the dialogue is best the scene that best kind of uh, oozes like how good the dialogue is versus how horrifying this movie is, um, is that scene where uh, the deputy gets killed and he gets obliterated. Like they, I forget what that term is when they like hack your, the scalp. Yeah, scalp there we go. They scalped him and then they, they hit his nether region a couple times, cut him in half and throughout, they make him eat his scalp, yeah, by the yeah. way. Oh, yeah. They do shove it in his mouth. As if it, yeah. was, as if it wasn't bad enough. They're like, hey, man, you're going to hold, hold on to this for and me. And then, right like, home. towards the – or throughout that whole time, the sheriff uh, is, like, saying, like, we'll get revenge for you and all this stuff. And then right after that, uh, Chicory asks him. He's like, were you serious about that? He's like, no, we're basically screwed. And – <laughs> yeah he's like that's what i would he's like that's what i would want to hear as soon as kurt or uh, the sheriff starts getting hit then chicory starts doing the same thing to him he's like no i'll totally avenge you like so i don't know it's like that light kind of humor that lightens up that like horrifying darkness that they're kind of going through uh, so at least to me those were mm -hmm. kind of some of the moments that said like even though the script and the idea is relatively simple, we've seen the the hero comes to save his wife from the savages kind of plot in various different things. But the way they move it along and insert scenes like that, I that that's what makes this movie so darn good. For me. Yeah, and I mean, again, there is such a small cast of characters, but I feel like as soon as you're introduced to anybody, no matter how big their role is, you get a great sense of who they are. Basically, like even going back to the opening moments, you've got the two bandits and... David Arquette's character, when they're kind of walking through the canyon and they start coming upon these skulls, which are clearly from the troglodytes. And he's like, you think that's like a warning or something? You think we should go in there? And then the guy that he's with, it, he like holds up his gun and waves it. And he's just like, we have permission. Yeah. Like, that's all you need to know about those two guys. Other than obviously you just watch them murder a camp full of uh, assumingly innocent people, especially like you guys have been saying, like trickery, I think. He has kind of the most on-the-nose humor, and part of his character's appeal is that, or his main personality trait is that he's like, he's the aware fool, mm. basically. Sometimes you he says things and does certain things that it's like, I'm surprised he remembers to even like wipe himself yeah. half the time. But then he has these very kind of like introspective aware moments that he's like, I know my limitations, but I'm at least smart enough to notice and recognize them. Because <laughs> yeah. like when we're introduced to him, he wanders into the sheriff's office and... He's like, oh, that tea smell, that tea that you're making smells harsh. And Kurt Russell's <laughs> like, it's soup. Yeah. And then it's just like, as soon as he sits down, he forgets that it's hot soup. He starts drinking it. And uh, Kurt, or first Kurt Russell is like, you think you can drink that without burning yourself? And Chickory's just like, I mean, I like challenges. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, just like little things like that. It's just like, he's able to kind of just 
whether he's aware of it in that moment or not, he's able to realize like I'm the butt of the joke most times, but at least he kind of, his personality is defined by realizing that. Yeah. I, I like that we get to see like in his character in that beginning scene, we get to see the effects of him losing his wife. So he kind of loses the sense of like being a normal person. Like now he's used to ha- living with somebody and then she passes away and it's like, he's kind of like has no control over anything. I really like that mm-hmm. beginning scene where it kind of, kind of shows the sheriff is like really kind of like guiding him, let him know, like make sure you eat your meal, like make sure you eat food and just stuff like that. I really enjoy that connection they have. It really mm-hmm. helps out throughout the whole movie because throughout the whole movie, even towards the end, it's like, they're the last two to get captured and it's like we get to see they're still together they're bonding they're very very well connected and i mean that's the to your point that example that i just gave about the soup it's just like kurt russell is is younger than yeah. him and yet he almost like has this kind of like fatherly role model mm-hmm. or big brother rather a big brother role with chicory and that he's like you got to make sure you're eating and things yeah. like that things that are super simple and you can just tell even though they're not very overtly chummy with one another or they're not like hug they don't hug each other or anything like that but it's still you can kind of suss out from their dialogue that there's a real bond there and i mean chicory is always jumping to his defense whenever anybody's like rude to him or says something smart and it's just like he wouldn't have there's no reason he needs to do that like kurt russell's the sheriff he can handle himself but at the same time it's just kind of like he's paying him back in a certain way even to the ending when when the sheriff's you know basically laying down or up against the wall he got shot um they stuck a what was it, a hot canteen he gets his, his yeah. into his rib area i mean yeah. he's he's in some tough pain there um but you can even see chicory is like trying to prolong the conversation just so he can be with him a little bit more and you know be a resource for him in some kind of way um you know they have a very good kind of I, not a brotherly bond necessarily, but like a good cop, you know, but, I don't know, not a good cop, but you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're, they're good friends in that yeah. sense. And it's, it's very much shown throughout. It's, I would be hesitant to say that Kurt Russell humors him because Chicory does actually right. bring some value to the yeah. group and stuff like that. So it's not really that he's being overly charitable to him, but at the same time, like there is this idea that he, it's st- he's never going to like shun him away from anything. Cause yeah. like even at the beginning when they're in the bar and they're debating who's going to go, Chicory is just like, no, I'm definitely going to go. And he won't hear anything uh, here nor there in terms of like whether or not he can yeah. go. I would go so far as to say that this is some career best performances from the core group without a doubt, Matthew Fox for sure, because my only point of reference for him is lost. Yeah. And I just remember him cry screaming, we have to go back. <laughs> I have to go back to the island. Richard Jenkins again is like phenomenal, and he does. I feel like he leaves such a lasting impression, almost more so than Kurt Russell and uh, Patrick Wilson, mm-hmm. just because his character is so versatile in the humor, which is surprisingly a super important part of this movie. Yeah. But also, like again, he is a character that you can sympathize with in a lot, just because of like you can feel the baggage that he has in being a widower. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? Who do you, would you agree with that? I think I think yeah, Richard Jenkins' performance is by far the best one I've seen. I because I've only I've really really seen him in is in uh, Step Brothers, so I would think he was a comedian more. So like to see him do mm-hmm. like this kind of drama, more serious acting, I think he did an amazing job. I mean, Kurt Russell has he's been known to do action movies, so kind of he has a background in in like drama and like action movies, but. I think for me, Richard Jenkins is probably the best actor out of all these guys because he kind of steps out of that comedy uh, comfort zone that he's, I mean, at least from where I've known him from. So I think mm-hmm. for me, his performance was probably the best one. I, I might have a little bit of a curveball. Patrick, uh, what is his name? Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. I really liked his, per- I mean, again, everyone has a phenomenal performance in this, but just as someone who unfortunately has had some knee injuries and has had to be on crutches, uh, <laughs> he very much hits that home. It is not a fun problem. Like, no, but in a, in a serious sense, though, um, you know, I think you can feel the emotion on his face when he's, uh, when he's kind of crawling through the sand. Like, I feel like some people that are in pain in movies, they don't necessarily come across it. Um, but I, I feel like 
throughout the movie, you can feel his heart kind of his heartstrings being pulled, whether it's, um, you know, his wife getting kidnapped. He's trying to, you know, claw his way through hills while he's barely able to, like, you know, walk forward, essentially. Um, so I, I just thought that his performance was a home run in this. I love the scene when he kind of like is the most proper out of all of the characters. And he kind of like just the way he even when he's talking to his wife, he's like super proper. Yeah. And when he's fixing one of his bandages on his wound and he's like pouring the alcohol onto it and he's just like, damn, damn, damn. He starts slapping the ground. Yeah. And it's just like, even though he's kind of like having these outbursts and he, I think he even says, God damn. And he like apologizes to God halfway yeah. through. Like he's still always trying to kind of like hold this certain sense of decency that he had before. And it's interesting because none of the characters really change that much over the course of it. I would say almost by the end of the film, he is the one that has changed the most. Because at one point, I think at the beginning of the movie, when he decides he's going, he gets his gun and holster. And I think he barely knows how to like strap on his holster. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, he's the savior of everybody. And he's like rolling around in the dirt and shooting troglodytes and everything. And it's just a uh, an interesting character arc for him, I would say. The, the most varied character arc. For sure. I, I got to throw one last thing in, and this might be a complete non-important aspect of this movie but there was like a moment where uh when they like got into the cave and they're they're thrown into their jail um chicory and the sheriff and they're talking to miss o'dwyer and nick uh, and they're like you know how many people are there how many troglodytes are there and they say something like 12 guys and then there's two pregnant women who are blind i don't know if yeah. you guys caught this when they were running out of the cave they weren't necessarily just blind. They had like sticks in their eye. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were no, dead those, too. Uh, no, pretty sure. they were pregnant. Yeah. Were they, were they, oh, they're still yeah. alive? Because they had their oh, arms, I thought Patrick their Wilson arms were them. cut off and they had sticks in their eyes, which is very, that was one of the weirdest shit I've seen. I was like, holy crap, that's sure. intense. I totally I mean, missed that. That's not necessarily a, uh, the most memorable moment of the movie, but for me, it was just something that stuck out where I was like, yeah, they're really hammering aspect yeah. that these are different you know this is a different type of a tribe <laughs> that's also also one of the things that i loved about this movie is the practical effect i think they did such an mm -hmm. amazing job at that to really like because everything was there i don't think there's any cgi at least from what i know so i no. think they did a great job at that yeah i mean the practical work in this is phenomenal considering this movie was made for i believe less than two million dollars um and the scene yeah. that you guys brought up like at the very end when they're they're fucking scalping this guy. They're making him eat it. And then they're splitting him from his groin to his head and just rip him in half. Like, yeah, it's a dummy, obviously. But at the same mm -hmm. time, like the way that everything is shot really complements the practical effects in this to a degree that, again, like it's what's so jarring about this movie. And it's what makes this such a standout for right. me in terms to of me, Westerns. It's just I like, feel like that's what one of the things that adds to the realism of it. Like just the way everything's done. Like there's no... I don't know if there's any CGI, but I don't think there's any of it. And it's like, it's so real because they, they're literally holding the body of this guy's legs yeah. and they're splitting. And you can see when he comes back later, he's like chewing on his leg and it's like, holy shit. And like, even to the scene where, um, uh, Sheriff Hunter cuts that guy's yeah. toes off when he gets shot, he just grabs what I think it was like the jaw of an animal. they made into like a sharp blade, the bone of it. And he just cuts his toes off. I was like, Jesus, I just, I don't know. I think the, the fact that it's mm -hmm. a practical effect and they did such a great job at it, it adds more to that realism of a Western movie that I would think I'd enjoy watching. Yeah. Considering like, again, the three of us are not big Western people. I think it is a, a genre that's really great for blending with things because I mean, to, uh, to Zoller's credit, the frontier adventure stuff that he get, that he films where it's them kind of just like the posse going across the frontier and dealing with the kind of survival yeah. elements that you have to, I think it captures the classic kind of heart of a Western in that regard where it's not necessarily a lot's happening, but it's more so about kind of just this landscape. You're living off the land as it were. You're taking these challenges as they come and you don't really know what's next. It's this unknowing nature that makes even a journey of just supposedly going to a couple hundred miles, you're just walking or riding yeah. horses somewhere. Like you might just not come back. And that's just the reality of frontier life. Well, I mean, to, to your guys' point, just how the shots are, are done. I mean, at the beginning, 
Uh, I think I wasn't sure if that was like a, a deliberate homage to Game of Thrones, but it starts <laughs> out eerily similar to how Game of Thrones, uh, in the sense that you have a group of people who uh, either, well, I, I'll say this, the death scene at the beginning was eerily similar because you'll see like a shadowy figure come out of nowhere and he kills, um, what was his name, Sid Haig? Yeah, buddy. Hag, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Sheriff Do, what was his name? Dewey from Scream. Yeah, he runs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you can see, uh, Buddy getting just like decapitated. What what not was going on? That's very similar. I feel like to the beginning of Game of Thrones in that first episode when that uh, that patrol goes out and that White Walker, whatever it was, kills him first. So you get this theory that. Um, these guys are larger than life just, I feel like from the way the camera is shot. Cause although like when you obviously see the, the troglodytes, what was it called again? Troglodytes. Troglodytes. When you see them in person, they obviously look scary, but they're humans. Um, They're not some kind of mythical creatures, but you get the theory or you get the, the sense when you start to see it from the beginning that this might not be something like normal that we're dealing with. That's a really great point too. And I think the comparison to game of Thrones, while a little out there, or I wouldn't have thought of that (laughs) at first. I think that I would agree, even though the monsters in that end up being actual like supernatural monsters, it's the same idea though, in that a group of you kind of have certain expectations for what you're about to watch, but you're not really sure completely unless you had read the books for game of Thrones. So to see a group of like humans, getting attacked by something that's being portrayed as being mythical, even though they're not doing something that's necessarily like fantastical. It still has this kind of like underlying horror to it where it's being presented as such. And Mm. that's what takes me by, takes me aback every time I watch this movie is that the one, the early scene when you see Sid Haig getting killed by that troglodyte, like you don't see the white body paint. You just see this figure in black that almost came out of nowhere. It seems. And it's, and you can't see close up what it's doing to him, but you know it's something not good just based off of uh, David Arquette's reaction. Like he's blind right. firing, he's tripping over the little stone, uh, the little stone Balls. temple, yeah, yeah. the ritual-looking uh, decorations that they find, and it very much carries itself like a horror movie from the beginning. This idea that it seems supernatural because of how sudden and how shocking it is, and. I think just the setup for that, you could see that guy going to, even though he doesn't talk to anybody at the bar, you could see him going to the bar and start rambling off about demons and uh, witchcraft and all these things just based on the way that the West is presented in that opening moment. The cinematography in general is, I think, fantastic too. Like I would have never guessed that they filmed this movie, um, I think it was 100 miles outside of LA. Like They filmed oh, wow. this in California, which is wild because yeah. not that I... I'm well-versed in California geography, but it looks like they went to like an actual Western town and shot yeah. this. Yeah. It's really, I really enjoy that. Like you really get that feeling of this is Western time. And just even the, how the way the town is built, it's just like very small, like very small settlement. And it's like, you really get the feeling of you are in a Western movie, but at the same time you have, like you guys were saying like this sense of horror, like that just elevate, I think it elevates the whole movie. It just for me it makes it a lot better because i feel like we've seen like you were saying earlier about this like try like a group of people traveling through the desert we've already seen that there's all i feel like every western movie has the same theme of like we're traveling through the desert and it's very repetitive so i'm glad they have this like in this movie there's a sense of like horror and the way it, how gruesome it is it adds more more than just another western movie westerns are largely i feel like they're defined by individuals not necessarily the plot i feel like they have a couple of go-to archetypes and whatnot and they stick to those religiously almost and they're pretty much defined by the performances and the characters that show up in them um bernie what did you think overall kind of just on the balancing again of the practical effects and kind of how those help to add variety to what is a very kind of vanilla baseline and we've hit it a couple of times the simplicity of this film uh certain aspects of it although in other movies i think they would be a major detriment uh in this movie i think it again it creates suspense in certain cases right like at the very end when 
um, it's Chicory and Mr. and Mrs. O'Dwyer walking down a hill. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, the very last scene where it's shot at an angle where you can see them from the side walking down a hill, mm -hmm. but you don't know where those other two or three tri trigolodites are. Sorry if I butchered that. A couple times. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I think most of them are dead, so. That's <laughs> <laughs> a very fair point. Um, but when you see that, I mean, I'm a pessimist by nature, so I was thinking, oh, shit, they're going to get, like, ambushed. This isn't going to be that, like, you know, storybook ending because I just, I don't know, I, I kept thinking there's going to be some sort of other curveball coming out. Um, so, the and again, going back to the way that they shoot their scenes, um, you know, you're not dealing with a massive set. You see in certain uh, in certain scenes, it's literally like a barn door, or you're walking into a like an old timey bar, and then you're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so again, to that effect, I mean, you don't necessarily need a massive budget. It's just the way that you shoot those scenes, and I think they, you know, the practical effects to this to that point, I think they did a phenomenal job of integrating that with the resources that they had to do it. You know, I'm glad you brought up the ending because. Well, at the end of the day, they got the achieve their objective and some of them miraculously survive. They still have to walk <laughs> how many hundreds of miles. And it's like just because even if they got away from all the troglodytes at the end of the day, it really reinforces that the West is an unruly fucking place. And it's yeah. not even if you don't run into anybody like the elements will kill you. Yeah, and so true. there's no really I don't even see it as a happy ending because now none of them got split from their groin to their head, which is a happy ending, I guess. But right. like now they might even endure another type of painful death. So it's kind of right. this idea that if the el if the people there don't kill you, that the elements sure as hell will. Right. Auth author still has to deal with that leg though. Walking back. That shit is coming I off. Mean, his, his leg is definitely rotten at that point. Yeah. I mean, he's dragged it through dirt, poor alcohol at this point, all that sweat. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure they're like definitely coming off, but and they wasted to, all that opium. Oh yeah, that's true. But to Bernie's <laughs> point though, like he was saying about the ending, it's like I kind of would have wished, like like he was saying, like it was a happy ending, like oh they left. It would have been kind of cool to see, like maybe in the background, an another like Tregolite, whatever his name is, whatever the names are, like following them. Kind of, I think mm -hmm. that would have been kind of creepy. It, it would have added more to the horror of like. Yeah, you think you got them off, but then there's still more of the tribes like hitting out in the mountains, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like a hills of eye kind of thing. I think that would have been kind of cool to add at the end. That would have been a great ending if as soon as they get to where they are on that hill, they yeah. look back when they hear those shots and then they see like, because you can see the cave entrance still. Right. You just see like 50 more of them just standing there staring at them and they like start to climb down the ropes and it's like, Arthur's not outrunning nobody. Right, yeah. He's the first one to go for sure. Yeah. Now, now I have a question for you guys. So there was a scene, um, I think it was in the bar, where uh, uh, the sheriff, Kurt Russell, is telling the mayor to let the town next to them know about what's going on. Mm -hmm. this, I, I forget the specific verbiage he used, but it was something, you know, akin to like, you know, have somebody come here to help out. Yeah. Was there ever a point that you guys thought, you know, essentially the cavalry was coming to aid them? Um, or was it, were you guys kind of relegated to the fact that it was just these four or five guys going after, you know, this tribe essentially to save, uh, save those captives? I think, I think for me, I was like, I wasn't expecting anybody else to help them. I thought it was just them themselves. That's it. That makes it that much more scary too. Right. I yeah. never assumed that anybody like help was never coming because even if they look at the survey map again, which they use in the bar to kind of like suss out the general area of where these troglodytes might live. It's a fucking West. Like anything yeah. can happen on the way there. We just saw that. Like, even if you are as well prepared as you could be, something could happen. And even if you survive and you make it to that general area, who knows how long it's going to take you to look that area and scour it. And like, you might not even think anybody could be in those caves. Look how high up they are. That kind of thing. Yeah. They were also like days away, like traveling. Right. Like I think there were like two days away of traveling, which by the time they would have gone there, they either would have all been dead or it would have been just a waste of time. Cause now they put their life in danger. So, I mean, for me, I wasn't thinking like he said to bring help, but I think it was just to watch over the town while the sheriff is gone. I wasn't expecting him or anybody to come help them out because right. they were, they were leaving and traveling for so long. So mm -hmm. for me that 
I was just expecting them for just to last, make it through the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that as well. I guess you guys want to highlight our favorite kills and then we'll kind of just wrap up. Yeah. So, I mean, Bernie, why don't you start? What was your, what was your go-to kill for the movie? I loved the kill. There was two kills that I, I really enjoyed. One, just because this is going to sound horrible. The, the kill, the deputy that got killed, that was horrifying, but also just, I'm, I'm a big fan of history and I know that that scalping aspect is something very real that we, you know, uh, Americans or colonials did to folks that were in tribes. So that was, although it was horrifying, I did feel like that was like the, the director's kind of nod to being like, this is kind of payback in some way. We didn't actually see the kills, but those three shots at the end that solidified that Kurt Russell had killed, or in theory had killed those troglodytes, Mm -hmm. and then there was going to be some sort of a bow to the story. Uh, Again, in some cases, I wouldn't necessarily be kosher with that kind of a happy ending, but with all the stuff that they had gone through, and again, to... To Berto's point, they have two more days to, to be going back to, to camp. Yeah. It's like, all right, they get a little bit of a bonus, and now they have to look out for that, you know, the that gang that robbed their horses a couple days before then and try and find water and all the other stuff. So I just I found that was pretty good. It, uh, it was two and a half days by horse. So geez, yeah. I don't even want to think about how long of a walk that is. That, that's that's a month for author. For yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's not making it back. How about you, Berta? What was your uh, your go to kill? Um, for me, I think that scene where Brody like gets the when they first get attacked with Brody, and then obviously when he dies, but like I think it's so gruesome. Just like they throw that bone and just chop his wrist off, and it's yeah. like at that point he's kind of useless because he only has one gun. And it's kind of like oh shit. Like for me. Like I personally like Brody a lot, so it was like for me, it's like oh well, he's not making it past this moment, and it was kind of I don't know. I you know that they're gonna kill him because well, clearly he's done. He's he's got hit with an arrow and he's he's lost. He has one wrist, and he was just kind of like letting. He's like it's time to go. He lit up the cigarette, and it's just like you know that they're gonna torture the shit out of him. Like yeah. they're gonna just devour him. But well, that's why yeah. he asks for the dynamite, right? Right. Yeah. Then he kind of just blows everybody up, I guess. I don't, I, don't know know if, I don't know if he ever uses it, right? To, right? No, he, get, he oh, gets killed gets before that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't that know. That yeah. aspect of it. We never got to see the dynamite. Yeah. yeah, that was the, uh, the, they ran out of the budget on that. But <laughs> I think, uh, I think my favorite kill, or it's not even a kill, I guess. It's just kind of like my favorite moment that really captures the brutality of the movie is when Kurt Russell gets his stomach sliced. Yeah. And then that guy sticks his flask into the fire and then just shoves oh, it into yeah. his wound. And then shoots, of course, shoots him in the stomach. And it's kind yeah. of that funny moment where the troglodyte doesn't know how to use the rifle. Right. And so he's like trying to figure out how to do it. And then he fires it and then ejects a shell and it like yeah. falls in Kurt Russell's mouth. Yeah. And he just spits like it out. Yeah. spits it out. And it's just such a brutal moment because they go from like that brief comedic moment yeah. to a searing hot flask being shoved into his stomach. And you're just like gritting your teeth the whole time watching that. Yeah. I think it. I think that is very indicative of the movie as a whole in that it has these peaks and valleys of aggression and comedic mm-hmm. moments that make something that generally I would probably be a lot harder on a movie like this that went on for more than two hours because this mm-hmm. was two hours and 12 minutes, I think. And oh, wow. Like Berto said, there are some parts that drag on a little bit, but at the same time, something is always stepping up to the plate just before a scene kind of outstays its welcome. Either it's some uh, it's humor it's a moment of brutality or it's like a really gorgeous shot that kind of captures the frontier uh, adventure for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think to, to the scene you just mentioned, I think that was probably one of my favorite scenes too, that whole sequence where he's like getting taken down. He gets shot in the arm then he gets sliced open. He gets that flash shoved in his body and then he ends up chopping the guy's toes off, which was, that was a crazy scene. Gnarly. That's a gnarly scene. Cause you yeah. really get to see like, the camera's like focus on, then he grabs that ax and just chops it right off. And he's like yelling. And uh, I thought, I thought the whole sequence was really awesome. It's probably one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that's a good place to wrap up unless there were any last minute moments from the film that you guys want to talk about, or you guys think you're good. Oh, I think we're good. I'm yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad that, uh, we got to chat about bone tomahawk. I mean, again, it's always great to, uh, 
bring in like diff- people with differing opinions and stuff and just kind of have a group chat about something. But I think it's telling of Zoller's work that he's able to take a genre that the three of us are not really fans of and apply a certain special touch to it to make it. I mean, I would say this is probably the best Western I've ever seen. Yeah. Not that I've seen a lot of Westerns, but I mean, this is the one that I think really speaks to the types of genre influences that are more of what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. For me, it's definitely my favorite Western movie so yeah. far. I feel like there's one that's, um, that has Clint Eastwood that I, that I really like. I just don't re- the good, recall. The good, the bad, the ugly. There we go. That, yeah. I like that movie a lot, obviously a little bit different, but, um, you know, to this, I was going to say, I don't think there's any cannibalism in that one. <laughs> yeah. That I recall, but, um, it's also three fucking know, hours long. Yeah. <laughs> At that point though, like there are movies that, that go two and a half, three hours that seem long. There wasn't really a point in this movie where I was like yawning or I was kind of dazing out in that sense. Um, it's, you know, there, I feel like there are certain movies that are a little bit even shorter than this where we could all agree that it could be cut in half or cut by a quarter and you'd still get to the same end result. Mm-hmm. Um, or this, again, even though there are certain places that are a little bit elongated, um, I feel like they just did a really good job of continuing the flow of the movie. And and to credit to you, man, I've never heard of this movie before you told me about it. Um, I don't know if you had seen this, Berto, but Jay, to, to your point, I mean, you said this was a hell of a movie and it was crazy and it lived up to everything you pointed out about it. So kudos to you for finding I, uh, this. I'll give myself a pat on the back. I have a, I have a keen eye for aggressive <laughs> movies to drop on people that aren't expecting them. But uh, I loved having you guys on and I'm looking forward to uh, maybe doing a couple more uh, three-person reviews and stuff. So thanks again. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, man. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.